0: The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries.
1: Hi again, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. This is our 11th episode, and as always, as you just heard, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan. It is good to be back with you. It's good to be back in full voice, or at least as close to it as I've been in a couple of weeks, and uh, looking forward to sharing an incredible story with you on this week's show. Um we are going to be visiting with a longtime friend of mine and a a former fellow radio guy by the name of David Stein, who I first met when he was working overnights for then Sporting News Radio and somehow became this massive Clemson University football fan and ended up hosting the Tiger Tailgate show for a number of years on the Clemson Network, and he and I got to work together on that program from time to time. Just an incredible man, one of the nicest human beings I've ever met, and has a story that you are not going to believe. I'll set that up in just a bit, but I just want to kind of catch you up on some things that are going on with Grand Slam Ministries right now uh as mentioned we are in the 11th episode of uh, the radio show and things are moving along pretty well i've talked about this before but i, I want to make sure that i give god all of the glory because we are on eight different affiliates now and to, to be there at this juncture is just mind-boggling five over the air affiliates three internet-only affiliates, one in Scotland, one based out of Los Angeles, one based right here in the upstate of South Carolina, and and then our, our over-the-air stations, four in South Carolina, one in Georgia. And we're praying for God to continue to open doors to expand what we're doing with this ministry. And uh, we'll just ask you to join us in prayer there, because in order to do that, obviously, it's going to take... Uh, funding to to be able to buy time on some stations. We're hoping other stations, like several of the ones that we're on now, will uh, want to carry the show at no cost. But we're just trying to be obedient and, and just thank God for where he has taken this show so far and, and the ministry and helping us get the message out about our core missions at Grand Slam Ministries, mentorship and making sure that children have food and other necessities to give them the best chance to to succeed in the early portion of their lives and, and lay a strong foundation. Those are all the things that we're continuing to pray about. We'll ask you to continue to pray about it as well. And to find out more about our mission, you can always go to the website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, DanscottShow.org. It's the, the same website. They point you to to the same place. You can go either way. At, uh, at the site, you'll find a complete list of our affiliates. You'll find bio. You'll find contact information. And I'll just throw this out there as well. Uh, I had a chance to speak at a church uh, this past Sunday here in South Carolina. Uh, it was a, a, a basketball banquet in, in which they were celebrating the fact that they had over 75 young people from kindergarten all the way up through high school who participated in the church basketball league And there were probably 250 people at this banquet, and I was asked to come in and share the gospel there. It was a phenomenal time. Thank you to the folks at Locust Hill Baptist Church for inviting me. And I'm always looking for opportunities to come and share my testimony, to come and share the gospel. So if that's something that your church might be interested in, by all means, shoot me an email, dan at danscottshow.org. You can go onto the website. There's contact information there, and I will respond to you personally. Let's hear something about Grand Slam Ministries and then come back and get into this interview with David Stein. You are really going to enjoy this one. We'll be back in a moment.
2: Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little and sometimes nothing until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's GrandSlamMinistries.org.
0: Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, DanscottShow.org. And now, back to the show.
1: Episode 11 of the Dan Scott Show. Good to have you along with us this week, and we want to jump right into this. You know, I'm ever the optimist. I say this every week. We have a great show, a great guest for you. But David Stein has, as I said in the open, been a friend of mine for a long time, and we got the opportunity to reconnect this week uh, because, as you know, the premise of this show, above and beyond anything else, is to tell stories of God working In people's lives, and we've been able to bring you inside the first ten weeks some some pretty dramatic stories. Uh, Former major leaguer Brandon Puffer, who spent two and a half years in prison, uh, and what God is doing in his life, and uh, Eric Bowman, he and his wife losing a child at age seven, and and what God has done in the eleven years since, and and on and on, and all those stories are archived at the podcast site. You can get them at the affiliates and archives page. Uh, on the website danscottshow.org, or you can just search the Dan Scott Show podcast anywhere you get your podcast and all of those episodes are archived there. David Stein's story is one that is incredible. We're talking about a guy who who grew up in a Jewish family, found himself in the position of being an atheist and a drug and alcohol addict. and what God has done, In his life and where he is now, have I mentioned he's a campus pastor at Revolution Church down in Canton, Georgia? It's incredible. So David and I started the conversation by talking about the fact that, hey, it was nice just to reconnect.
0: Well, first of all, Dan, this is a little surreal um, because we go back many, many years to the uh, beginning of my time on the Tiger Tailgate show at Clemson and uh, hosting that show from an empty Wild Wings Cafe in Spartanburg. Yes. I do, I do remember those days. Play, playing uh, paper
1: football field goal kicking contests. Yes. While we yeah, were there. We, did,
0: we did that. Uh, There's nothing like paper football on the radio to bring in a compelling audience. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm honored to uh, participate in, in your show. I've always uh, loved you and admired you and um yeah so uh, i am a campus pastor at a church called revolution church in canton georgia and it was a church that my wife and i just started going to eight and a half years ago Uh, um, being a pastor never crossed my mind at the time i was uh, doing a christian radio show i was hosting the tiger tailgate show and you know going to church was my only objective at at the time gathering as the as the body of the church and uh, one thing led to another and they eventually gave me the keys to the place which maybe they're not the smartest folks (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Um, but i can't imagine doing anything else and uh, the role of a campus pastor it's a fairly uh, good-sized church is uh, everything from potholes in the parking lot to occasionally preaching and uh, everything in between. But I think everything in my life, uh, in in my secular life, has led to this life in ministry. And, of course, you know, Dan, uh, when you trust in Jesus, uh, you are in ministry. So everyone who has trusted in Christ is is in ministry.
1: Yeah, we are all called to a purpose. And one of the, the things that, that I do when I'm asked to speak at certain places now, especially if it's a men's group, that's one of the things that I like to share is is finding your purpose and, and it's mm-hmm. easier said than done. Um, especially for men because we like to control our own destiny sometimes, especially those of us of a certain generation who've been ingrained. It's been ingrained in us that, you know, you work for everything you get, you do all of these things. Sometimes the old phrase letting go and letting God is, is not as easy to do as it is to say.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's so many verses in the Old Testament that actually do speak to uh, that word. Even uh, even the word Rapha, uh, which is uh, many know as Jehovah Rapha, the healer. That that word uh, literally means, "Hey, give it to me, let it go, stop striving, and and trust that I am God." So in Psalm 46, uh, "Be still and know that I am God." That that stillness is that letting it go.
1: I want to go back to when you and I first met because uh, I was on the air doing a daily talk show at Clemson and you were doing overnights for what was then known as sporting news radio. Right. A- and you were doing it out of your, your home in Atlanta. Am I correct on that?
0: Uh, I was actually uh, at the studio of 790 the zone when they were in existence uh, in buckhead okay and uh, i had moved here from california to do the exact same show uh because we had picked up 790 as an affiliate and uh would go to buckhead at you know midnight and start the show at 2 a.m and drive home at 6 a.m um and it was a incredible time in my life and you know, in the year previous to that, before moving to uh, Atlanta, had connected with Ben Milstead um, at, uh, at at the Roar, and uh, we became friends through the uh, Ray Ray McElrathby story. Right.
1: And the the show that you were doing was such the antithesis of anything that was on radio at the time and especially is on radio now where talk radio has gone now in uh, the sports mm-hmm. talk genre is, is so far off the rails in my estimation but you were doing a, a show that was kind of a celebration of of life tell me good things that have happened in your life I can't remember the right. exact phrasing but but mm-hmm. you you can fill that in it, it was a different kind of radio show and, and and the fact that you were allowed to do that on a national network I always thought was amazing
0: Well, it was a very strange time. I was not a believer at the time uh, when I started that show. Uh, 2004, I got what uh, would have been called the big break. Uh, I was working uh, at Fox Sports Radio and was offered the uh, morning show spot at Fox Sports Radio nationally. So I stepped into a chair uh, with uh, Andrew Siciliano as my co-host from the NFL Network, uh, Crystal Fernandez uh, from Fox Sports. And uh, I began this journey for uh, about a year of my boss, who was a brilliant radio guy, um, and, and he was an encourager, but they really wanted me to quarterback a show that was about controversy. And they wanted me to argue with Andrew about things I didn't care about and they wanted me to really make fun of Crystal. And I I don't know why, but I just thought this is this doesn't sound right. Again, I'm not a believer, I'm a Jewish atheist at the time and uh, I went to my boss uh, in the fall of, of 2007 I'm sorry, fall of 2004 Five, yeah fall of 2005 and i said i don't think i should be doing this job and he said what what do you mean i said I, I just don't think i'm the right person for this because you you want me to argue about things that i don't really care to argue about i don't want to argue about anything <laughs> and and uh so i got on the phone and i called i called sporting news is I've been talking to Sporting News Radio for a little while before I took the job at Fox. And I said to uh, Matt Nahigian at the time, uh, is there anything for me at, at Sporting News? And he said, not to compare with what you have, we're not going to give you the morning show. And I was like, I'll take whatever you got. He said, I've got overnight, which is, you know, where talk show hosts go to die. Right. And And I said, can I do whatever I want? And he said, yeah, yeah, we, we want you here, but you can do whatever you want. I said, okay, no guy talk, no arguing. I just want to talk to people, especially uh, guys in the middle of the night and see what's going on in their lives. Cause there was something stirring in my heart at that time. It's 2005. Um, I'll back up to the, Beginning of two thousand four, right before I got the job at Fox, I had uh, an immediate deliverance from drugs and alcohol. So. so, on the night that my first marriage ended in February of two thousand four, I was laying on the floor of a half-empty closet uh, in a fetal position, wondering how did I get here? Because I was I was drunk, I was stoned, um, and, and my drug of choice was pot um, never went further than that. And I was not the kind of person to just get up and pull up my bootstraps and, and move on. But I felt a presence in that closet in the beginning of 2004 kind of lift me up off the floor. And when I stood up, I was stone cold sober, Dan. And that's 18 years ago. Is it 18? Yeah. 19, whatever that is. Do the math. Um, and I haven't had a drink since I haven't gotten high since haven't had a desire Mm -hmm. to do either one, but I thought I did that on my own strength. So here I am living in Los Angeles. If I start going to self-help classes and you know, where it's all about me, it's all about me. Okay. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? (laughs) right 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 that's that's that mindset so um so i go into this job at fox um a little a little strange because what had been such a huge part of my life partying was no longer a part of my life so i think god was working at that time so Mm -hmm. i get the sporting news and i start this show in november of 2005 called the celebration of life through sports where every caller had to tell me something good going on in their lives. And things started to happen, Dan, on that show uh, that I could not explain. Uh, I remember uh, a guy by the name of Daryl listening on an affiliate in North Carolina. And he was telling me about I think the topic that night was Little League horror stories, because it wasn't about breaking down games and it wasn't about arguing about the bad call in the game or who the coach should be next season. It was really situational. So when an athlete would get in trouble, a DUI, a shooting, something like that, I wouldn't talk about that and tear down the athlete. I would say, Hey, how has a DUI affected your life? Call me up. If you've been shot, what's that like? Uh, And so it became this very cathartic, almost, um, therapy session for four hours in the middle of the night and this guy daryl calls up and tells us this little league football horror story midget football horror story and uh, he said he broke his cousin's leg accidentally and um and i said what happened after that he goes oh uh, my mom and her sister haven't talked since i said how long has this been he said 20 years And then he goes on to continue the story. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 20 years your family hasn't talked because you accidentally broke your cousin's leg in a football game, in a peewee football game? And uh, he said, yeah. I said, we got to fix that. Well, he calls up the next night crying. Turns out his cousin was listening in another city on another affiliate and heard... Who he thought was his cousin Daryl tell this story, and the family reconciled. So this kind of stuff was happening all the time. Guys were becoming accountability partners, uh, you know, just like they would be in AA with each other in different cities. So I started wondering, at the end of two thousand six, having done this show for a year, is there a God, and could He possibly have anything to do with my life?
1: All right, let's pause right there. Yeah. And and you know this is hopefully some media savvy. We're going to leave that hanging for just a minute.
0: Oh, that's good, Dan. That's good. And
1: and <laughs> and, I, and I want to go back even further yep. because you you referenced where I was going to go next. I who was David Stein prior to knowing God, knowing Christ as his savior and you just referenced it? you were Jewish, you were an atheist, you were mm-hmm. an addict. Tell yep. me who David Stein was and how you got to where you were before we get to where you
0: are. That's a great question. Um, and I certainly don't want to glorify no. my past,
1: but it's part but of, but it's part of your testimony.
0: It, it absolutely is part of my testimony. So I grew up in uh, the Philadelphia area. Um, and I'm so proud of all of my three teams that lost in the championships this year. <laughs> um, and I, I grew up in a Jewish family. Uh, we were the only uh, one of only three Jewish families in our whole town, and it was the doctor, the lo- the doctor, the dentist, and the podiatrist. It, it's not the start of a bad joke. It's it's actually true. Well,
1: you, you know what? In my little hometown of West Virginia, the the two Jewish families—one owned the newspaper, one owned the radio station. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah, and and of course, coming out of. Uh, you know, most uh, n- most eastern United States, whether it was the northeast or West Virginia or uh, the south, most Jewish people who came from eastern Europe, uh, whether it was before World War One, after World War One or after World War Two, um, they they had to make a name for themselves. They they had to work hard. They had to get education um, and especially. Uh, My parents, who uh, grew up during World War II, knowing that um, our ancestors were being slaughtered and uh, they were the scientists, they were the doctors, they were the um, physicists that were being slaughtered. So education was really important in my family. So they were very proud when I flunked out of school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I grew up Jewish. Um, We didn't do anything strange. It wasn't like, um, you know, we were anti God. We just didn't talk about God. And I never really picked up on that because we did go to synagogue. We did go spend, um, you know, a few years learning Hebrew so I could get bar mitzvah at the age of 13. So I got bar mitzvah at the age of 13 and never walked into a synagogue since. Um, and it was, um, it was strange because I didn't realize until much later in life that my parents never believed in God. They both had uh, traumatic family things happen to them early on in life. My dad's mom died at the age of nine. Uh, my mom had a tragedy in her family. So they gave up on God. They figured, hey, if there is a God, he would not have let this happen. So bad theology. And, but that's how. It, that's how it played out. So, so they were a, they
1: were Jewish by by ritual.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, very secular, mm-hmm. uh, as many Jewish people are in the United States. Uh, they will continue to do the uh, ritualistic things, the bar mitzvahs, celebrating Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Hanukkah, things like that, to keep the Jewish line in the family, but no connection to a creator, mm-hmm. uh, very humanistic in, in their thinking. So uh, I just kind of went about my life doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, had some uh, minor successes in, in business and radio and some, uh, some big failures in school and business. Um, when my grade point average in college at Franklin and Marshall college in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, partying with the Amish, uh, when, when, <laughs> when my, when my grade point average and my blood alcohol level met, uh, that was a good time to leave school. Right. Yep. So, um, got my first job in radio and when I was 26, 1986 and got married at 32 and and really never, never changed. I just kind of did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, Didn't really start drinking until my mid thirties when I bought a restaurant and the restaurant business is a, uh, that's a marriage killer. I owned a comedy club at the same time. That was a lot of fun. So I was always around alcohol, but none of my friends would have known, and this will get to the answer to your question. Who was David Stein? None of my friends would have known that I was an alcoholic. Mm Mm-hmm. I might've had a beer or a glass of wine with them while we were out or after a show or at the restaurant. But my inside life was miserable. So I would go home and finish off that bottle of wine. I would go home and drink three, four more beers. I would go home and smoke a joint and I would self-medicate. As I look back, it was more self-medicating than David Stein life of the party kind of thing
1: you're, you're searching as I share in my testimony and we went about it in in different ways and sometimes in similar ways but you're searching for something to fill that hole that's right in here there, there, there's that's right there, there there there's something that's not satisfying the inner David Stein and you, ca- right. and you can't figure out what it is
0: that's exactly right Dan yes and I would just drink and get high until I fell asleep and I'd get up and I would be fully functional the next day and run the business, do my radio show, whatever that was at the time and just continue on in my life.
1: When did you realize that maybe things were starting to spiral out of control?
0: I would say the big wake up call was February 2004 when I I just, I just never saw any of the signs dan Mm -hmm. i kind of ignored uh, a lot of it and when my marriage ended pretty abruptly um that's a pretty big wake-up call and that was the moment that i believe i got freedom from from my addictions
1: visiting with david stein who is a longtime friend of mine. He was smart enough at some juncture to get out of the radio business. <laughs> and now is a campus pastor of uh, Revolution Church down in uh, Canton, Georgia. and uh, we're we're sharing sharing his story as we do on this show of of God working in the lives of people. So you you didn't know Christ at that time, but it's obvious no. there was something supernatural that happened to you as far as the freedom from the addiction. Right. So when do you start thinking, hmm, maybe there is somebody up there?
0: That's a great question. It was about a year into that sporting news show when things were just happening on the show that had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, people connecting with each other from different cities, um, families being reconciled guys calling up saying hey you know i want to stop drinking too And i'm like i've got i've got nothing to do with. i'm just turning on a microphone in the middle of the night and i began to wonder is there a god and could he have had anything to do with my life so i did what you know anybody would normally do call their therapist <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, if I can say so without getting myself in trouble, it sounds like a very Jewish thing
0: to do, right? Um, I, a lot of people have their... Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, uh, as a uh, as a pastor, and, and I say this all the time, all of the pastors at our church, we have counselors that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how pastors do it without a counselor. So I called mine and and set up a very unorthodox phone session in 2006 long before uh zoom calls
2: Mm -hmm.
0: we get on the phone and i'm sitting in my apartment in glendale california and it's about two o'clock in the afternoon and i ask the question before we get into this therapy session is there a god and could he have had anything to do with my life And she paused and said, I've been waiting a long time for this. And she took off her took off her therapy hat. She put on her Christian hat. And she shared the gospel full on. She told me who Jesus is. She told me what he did on my behalf. She walked me through the fact that we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. She walked me through the fact that there's a penalty to sin and it's death, it's eternal separation from God. She told me about God's plan to restore and reconcile. And I immediately knew I needed a savior. I I immediately knew that Jesus's death on the cross which I had mocked for 45 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally made fun of on the radio for 45 years was true that he did die for my sins. He paid a penalty that I deserve on that cross died, was buried three days later. God raised him from the dead to declare victory over death. And I knew I needed a savior and I fell to my knees on the phone how the room lit up. I trusted in Jesus. She walked me through what that looked like and a flashback to that closet in 2004. And I knew who had picked me up off that floor.
1: You know, for those, and that, was,
0: that was 16 years ago.
1: For those who, who don't know, we're doing this via zoom. I think we may have referenced it earlier. And David, as as you're talking, I can see the emotion in your face. It, it, it is, is it as real now as it was 16 years ago, isn't it?
0: it? It is Dan because I should be dead. Um, I'm sure that my life was on a path that was destructive and I'm not trying to be hyper spiritual. I was on a path of destruction <laughs> because we all are when we're not in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was on a path of definite destruction not caring about, you know, anything. And, uh, you know, I was given uh, a second chance and uh, I can't imagine my life without Jesus.
1: And I think we need to to circle back here. When you made the appointment with that counselor, you didn't know she was a Christian, did you?
0: No, no. I knew she was a little crazy, but I didn't know she was a Christian. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It, it, it's just, it's an incredible story, and I, I've heard it before, but it's been eight or nine years since I've heard you tell this, and, and I'm getting goosebumps all over again. Because, it, and, and we have this advantage of being able to see things in hindsight that you can't see when you're in the middle of something. But right, in, in, in my story, in your story, when we look back on it, we can see God's hand moving in our lives and putting these pieces in place when we had no idea what was going on. Even before we had submitted our lives mm-hmm. to Christ, he is putting all of these pieces of the puzzle together to bring us to that moment. And when I share my testimony, one of the things that I say is I get to that moment where I finally surrendered. I say, aren't, aren't you glad? And I ask you this, David, aren't you glad we have a God who pursues us?
0: Oh, I look back, Dan, and I see the seeds that were planted. Um, You know, when I was at Fox, a guy by the name of Tony Dungy was our guest every Monday Mm -hmm. for a year. And I look back and I go, I don't remember anything he said, but I'm sure he planted seeds. I had a best friend who worked for a radio network across the hall from Fox Sports Radio. And we were on in the middle of the night together. Uh, on separate networks and he would always have a Bible under his arm and he never told me about Jesus, but I wonder if he planted seeds. Mm -hmm. I called him the day I got saved. And uh, I said, how come you never told me about Jesus? And he said, I didn't think you would listen. And I have made it my mission or the Lord has put on my heart to, to have this mission of not saying no for anybody. Mm you know. Saved at 45. I'm 61 now. I don't know how much time I have left. Um, I don't want to play church. I I tell this at our membership class. Hey, this may not be the church for you. If you're looking for a cruise ship to sit back, um, this might not be the church for you. If you're looking for a battleship because we've got a real enemy and eight out of every 10 people you encounter don't know Jesus, come on, let's go. Game on.
1: You know, you and I got so, saved at the same age, by the way, forty-five. Wow! How about that? That's wild. What did your family think? What did your friends think when you go from this this secular Jewish atheist addict to Christ follower and and just that amazing transition? What? How how did people react?
0: Uh, poorly. <laughs> uh, my my mom didn't want to talk to me. Uh, thought it was a betrayal, and I was not uh mature enough to talk to her from the point of view of a Jewish believer mm-hmm. I had I had a radical transformation so in my mind I'm I'm a Christian I'm using Christian words I'm using the words Jesus Christ even though the day before I was saved I was making fun of Jesus mm-hmm. and um and I had forgotten that even the words Jesus Christ to somebody who is Jewish is cringeworthy so I made that mistake with my family to not speak to them in their language. Not that they were speaking Hebrew or Yiddish all the time. But later on, I began to speak to them about the Messiah. Right. I, I began to speak to them about Yeshua, the Hebrew name for for Jesus. Uh, I began to uh, speak to them from the point of view of, A Jewish believer as opposed to a Christian. And I spent uh, years, years, 12 years um, talking to my dad uh, about Jesus. And uh, he got very sick uh, in 2020. And he had gone from he didn't want to hear about Jesus to he was interested in this Jesus, mm-hmm. to watching my sermons, to asking me what I was going to preach on. And the last few months of his life, and I was the only person flying in 2020. I was going back and forth on an empty plane to, <laughs> to California. And I would just sit there and I would read Isaiah 53 to him uh, while he was in his bed. And on his deathbed, a couple days before he passed away, uh, I was on the phone with him and I said, dad, you, you don't have to fight it anymore. It's okay to say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I had shared the gospel with him many times, had prayed at his bedside many times. And at that point he wasn't able to communicate. Mm-hmm. So I say to him, it's okay to say yes to Jesus. There's a long pause. And the next thing I know, my mom picks up the phone. She says, I don't know what you just said to your father, but he smiled for the first time in weeks. He nodded his head and put his hand up in the air. Wow. So I believe Dan that we have, we have a merciful God mm-hmm. who reconciled my dad, uh, on his last moments. And, uh, I, I sometimes forget that I'm going to see him again. That's amazing to me. Uh, my mom is still pretty hostile <laughs> toward, mm. toward God. She, she'll let me pray for her now. So that's a breakthrough. Uh, she's 91. My brother doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Um, But, you know, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm, going to pursue. And I'm praying that God brings people into their lives to share the gospel with them, uh, to plant more seeds, to water the seeds that I have planted. Mm -hmm. Uh, My friends, uh, I stopped hanging out with my friends. Uh, I didn't know if I was strong enough to hang out with the guys that I was partying with. So for uh, a few years, I really didn't see anybody. And that was hard. Uh, And then later on, I reconnected with them and told them about my journey. And they They all said, hey, you know, they respect that. And uh, I'm friends with some of these guys today.
1: Continuing to visit with David Stein as we kind of start heading down the home stretch here. It's just, it's such an incredible story to sit and listen to. And one of the things that's hard for us, I think, and and, and I I appreciate the phrase that you used a minute ago, maybe God will put somebody in their lives. Maybe you're not the one that's going to get the chance to, to see the, the fruit of, of your labor because the Bible tells us some sow and some reap. Maybe, you're, right. may, maybe you're the sower with your mm-hmm. mom. Maybe you're the sower with some of your friends, and maybe somebody else will will do the reaping. But the bottom line is you have to be obedient and do what God tells you to do, and, and, mm-hmm. and you've done that.
0: Well, um, I, I see God working in my family, and I, I really don't want to say anything right now because— Um, I don't want to manipulate that in case they do in case they do listen to this. Mm -hmm. And but God is doing a mighty work in my family in a way that it's really God saying, David, just get out of my way. Right. Get out of my way. It's not on your shoulders. You're not the one that's going to fly to California and lead them to salvation. Somebody else will. And uh, so that's pretty cool to see. Um, but, but you're a and, guy,
1: but you're a guy, David guys. We want to fix things, right?
0: We, we do want to fix things. <laughs> and, and, uh, I'll tell you, Dan, it was, uh, it was March 7th, 2007. I'll never forget this. I'm a brand new believer. I've been saved like a day and a half. It was actually like five months, but it was a day and a half. Right. And I get invited to some guy's church to hear some guy preach. And it was the shepherd's conference at John MacArthur's church. Mm. In, in California. Say what you say about John MacArthur, whatever. But I, I didn't I just got invited to this. So turns out I'm there with three thousand pastors. Uh thinking to myself, I'll never be one of these guys. <laughs> and uh John Piper's father had passed away that day. So another guy preached and he preached on Isaiah 66. And it was the first time that I understood the sovereignty of God, His omnipotence, and my position of submission to Him. And that's what that's what I bank on now. When I'm like, God said, when when I hear God saying, "Get out of my way," you don't have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Be still and know that I am God. See, see, that's there's a radio thing. We brought it full circle. Right, we brought it all. It was a callback um so he's preaching on isaiah 66 and he says thus says the lord heaven is my throne the earth is my footstool and i was like are you kidding me that's how big you are and he goes on to say but this is the one to whom i will look the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and i have fought that for 16 years but always reminded that he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble.
1: It it is something, and and I I share this uh, all the time. When I was doing the Clemson baseball games um, years ago before I was saved and just started, people started telling me how good I was at it, and it didn't take me long to believe them. Mm. And I went from being thankful to have a job to being an ego-driven jerk. So you can Mm. make that jump. Very quickly, so it, it, it it's an ongoing thing. You do you do have to remind yourself to be humble, and you yeah. don't want to pat yourself on the back for being humble because that that mm-hmm. defeats the purpose. But you do have to remind yourself of just what you said.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a daily practice of preaching the gospel to yourself, looking up at the cross, and and recognizing it's it's. And my wife came up with this on the radio. It's really tough to be on your high horse when you're looking up at the cross.
1: I like and, that. And I, I'm going to steal love, that, by the way.
0: Well, please do. Please do. Um, you can always quote L.J. Stein. Um, <laughs> and, and and God's sovereignty is, is another thing to bank on. I, I just preached on the attributes of God and his sovereignty and who he is and his immutability that he never changes. Uh, and the fact that he knows everything. Nothing has ever occurred to him. You know, D.A. Carson said, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? <laughs> Uh, he he knew before Betsy King played golf at Furman that Furman would be in the NC two A tournament.
1: Yeah, some people at Furman would have liked to have known that a few years ago, but that's another story <laughs> for another time.
2: Uh,
1: you know, we could just keep going and going. We've got about five minutes left, um, mm. but we, and we haven't even gotten to how you met Leanne. We haven't even gotten really to the <laughs> genesis of the radio show and and all those other things. But uh, in in the the Cliff Notes version, God put an amazing woman in your life.
0: Yes. Um, We met at a Starbucks in Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, I wasn't looking. She wasn't looking. She had just come back from a year in China teaching three-year-olds English in a Christian underground church. And she came back at the age of 28. Uh, I don't need I don't need a man, God. It's just you and me, God. I was 50 and had been divorced for many years and was not looking. I was just at Starbucks because they had the free internet back then. It's 2010. Right. And I'm sitting next to her. 60 days later, we got engaged. 60 days after that, we got married.
1: And it's been... From what I can tell, an incredible partnership ever since.
0: It, it has. Uh, I was doing this Christian radio show, and she stopped by the studio. Um, I don't know how many years. Well, if we've been off radio for three years, so about twelve years ago, and we've been married twelve years. So she stops by the studio uh, to show me some ugly chairs that she had bought off a of Craigslist, <laughs> and uh, I did what any good husband would do in radio. I shoved a microphone in front of my wife. And she knocked it out of the park. Two weeks later, we were the new morning show. And we did that for eight years, and it was called Rise and Stein. A
1: lot and of she, hu, a lot of husbands and wives working together would be a disaster, but
0: for, especially newlyweds, right? But but obviously
1: yeah. for you, it was it was wonderful.
0: It was it was wonderful. Um, she was more than happy to become a Clemson fan, so <laughs> uh, it was an easy transition. Uh, like a month into our dating life, which was only, you know, four weeks before I asked her to marry me, I I asked her if she had ever been to a college football game and she said, no. And I said, well, I I do this thing up at Clemson. It's, it's kind of fun. Uh, would you like to go to a football game? So I didn't tell her any details. And, uh, so I took her up to Clemson, uh, on Friday and we went over to, uh, the, the stadium. And we got in the elevator. She goes, where are we going? I said, I'm not going to tell you. And uh, knocked on Coach Sweeney's office because a year earlier, and this is, we can wrap this up with this, a year earlier, I'm interviewing Coach Sweeney, and we didn't even talk about football. We're in his office for an hour and a half. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about our testimonies. We're both crying. And he said, do you think you'll ever get married again? I said i don't know coach but i'm tired and he comes up to me in that coach sweeney way that he has and i, I think if i had had a helmet on he would have grabbed me by the face mask <laughs> <laughs> and and he said do not grow weary of doing good for in the end you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up so he's he's giving me galatians 6.9 right and then he backs away and he has that big coach sweeney smile and he goes Now go find yourself a girl from Alabama. (laughs) Well, turns out Leanna's from Dothan, Alabama. So I bring her to Coach Sweeney's office a year later, and I said, you told me to. Here she is. That's fantastic. And then we got married a month later. Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: David, it, it's it's an incredible story, and I know there's a lot more depth we could have gone into, but uh, forty minutes or so passes by so quickly. I, I appreciate you being willing to uh, to do this on, on such short notice. Uh, I, I hate the fact that we haven't been able to connect in a while, uh, but it, it's always great to uh, to catch up with you. And I'm I'm when God opened the doors for me to do this radio show and, and Grand Slam Ministries and I sat down and I started doing a list of people that I wanted to get on the show. You were on that list because your story, your testimony is so powerful. And I think it's, it's things, it's something that people need to hear. And, and, and now I'm actually on a, a situation where people are going to hear it. Unlike maybe previous times, people actually <laughs> listen to this show, David, that's a good thing, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. And I'm, I'm just so honored to, uh, uh, to be on the show and, to reconnect with you, Um, always uh, a dear friend. You were always such an encourager, and um, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and do not grow weary, or you will reap a harvest in the end.
1: What an incredible friend. What an incredible testimony. What an incredible God we serve. David, thank you so much. We'll take a break and come back and put a wrap on this 11th episode of The Dan Scott Show right after this.
3: Is there someone in your life who has been a spiritual mentor, an influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of the Dan Scott Show to that very special person. Honor someone who is currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who has passed. Make your gift online at GrandSlamMinistries.org and we will send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verses, and anything else that you would like to share. In doing so, you'll be covering our cost of one week's production, helping ensure The Dan Scott Show stays on air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. In addition, you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today. Do so online at GrandSlamMinistries.org. That's GrandSlamMinistries.org.
0: Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries.
1: You know, one of the many, many things I love about doing this radio show is that we set out to tell these stories of God working in people's lives, hoping that it will be an encouragement to those of you who are listening. And oftentimes, almost without fail, in fact, I end up being the one who is encouraged. And, and David Stein has that effect on people. He is just incredible. Uh, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate his willingness to come on and be vulnerable and share. And again, you know, in watching as I'm watching him on, on Zoom, and he's told his story, I'm sure, hundreds of times, you can still see the raw emotion in his voice. It is absolutely incredible. And thank you, David, for again, spending some time with us. As we wrap up today, I just want to tip a cap to our eight affiliates. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're on five over-the-air stations, three internet-only stations. Our flagship is 94.5 FM, The Answer, WGTK in Greenville, South Carolina. we're also on WZLA- Classic Country, 92.9 FM in Abbeville, airing 6 to 7 p.m. on Sundays. Spartanburg Sports Radio, the Fox Sports affiliate there, 98.3 FM and 1400 AM, 9 to 10 AM on Sundays. WFBS, sunny 107.9 FM, Sundays 11 a.m. to noon. And WMNZ down in Montezuma, Georgia, Sundays from noon until 1 p.m. Our internet-only affiliates, Cornerstone Christian Radio, which is based out of Los Angeles, cornerstonechristianradio.net, Lake Kiwi Radio online here in the state of South Carolina, and paisleyradio.com in Paisley, Scotland. Thank all of you for believing in this show and jumping on board with us in our infancy and we're hoping to add to that family. We'll be back with you again next week. Until then, I'm Dan Scott. God bless you, and so long, everybody.